Thank you for being with us today. We would love to have you join us in person. To partner with us or to give online, go to www.upperroomohio.com. We hope you enjoy this message. I saw a meme, it was the uh, funniest thing on Thursday. It says, this is the Mondayest Thursday I've ever experienced. <laughs> Anybody else there? That's so weird. And then like Friday was Tuesday and my whole work schedule at the fire department was thrown off. So anyway, uh, for us, it, we get back to normal tomorrow. It's like, ah, it's some normalcy. Uh, we want to invite you in on something. I, I'll mention it briefly during the message, but one of the things we like to do at Upper Room is start the year with putting Jesus first. And one of those things is obviously through our daily life in Christ is spiritual disciplines, worship, prayer, fasting, uh, reading the word, and, and just various things. So one of the things we do here is starting off the year 21 days of fasting as a church corporately. So I want to encourage you to just join us starting tomorrow. We'll break that fast in three weeks from today on a Sunday, and we'll celebrate. We usually go after some things and healings and prayer. And uh, one of the things I'm going to encourage you, there's a scripture in the Bible. I want you to search it out. It says, is this not the fast that I've chosen to break strongholds, to break things up? There's an intentionality about fasting. So first off, pick what you're going to fast and pick why you're fasting it. So go after something. Maybe it's your children serving the Lord. Maybe it's grandchildren. Maybe it's a situation in a, in a relationship or reconciliation somewhere, something. Just pick something. And then typical fast in biblical times would have been food, all right? They didn't have electronics and social media and things. So we can be creative. And one of the things I want to encourage, if you've never fasted before, maybe not go straight after the full marathon, all right, last night we were at dinner with my kids and we're reviewing, what are you going to fast this year? Every year, our kids, we let them choose something. One year when Chloe was a child, like little, she's like four, she gave up her baby doll. We had it on top of the fridge and at 21 days, she's like, oh, you know, it's cool. One year, now more affectionately, my daughter Olivia loves breakfast, loves cereal. So she gave up breakfast for, for, uh, for these 21 days. So on that Sunday when we ended it, we all went to like Kroger and I let all the kids pick out everything they gave up. So they were getting like Little Debbie's. She got like three boxes of sugar cereals, which is almost like a sin in our house, according to Nicole. So it's usually like this gluten-free, non-GMO, all grain, bleh, exactly. Things that I wouldn't eat even if I had to. Like, I'll just fast breakfast. So anyway, those are things. Now, last night we asked Evelyn. If we get to Evelyn, like, what are you giving up? What are you going to fast for 21 days? And she says, food. All, all food for 21 days? Yep. I'm like, uh, maybe, maybe you try like one day. And if that goes good, maybe two days. But uh, Evelyn, you're little. You're growing. You need to eat. So uh, anyways, I, I know if you've not built up to it, please just, and, and if you mess up, if you fail, if you, if you don't survive like three days when you're trying to go 21, pick it up again at the fourth day, start over, do something different, but it could be social media. It could be a certain type of music, replacing it with worship music. Now, let me just be honest with you. If you're just giving up food and not replacing it with something godly, it's just a glorified diet. 
A fast is actually replacing something, being intentional about it, replacing it with God time or something godly. So if I'm giving up food or lunches at work, I would replace that lunch hour spending time with the Lord. So something like that. So if it's social media, that time you're perusing social media, maybe that's the time you're in your word or worshiping or spending time with the Lord. So anyway, just join us tomorrow any way you want. Uh, we're just doing this corporately, and we'll have a big party of some sort in, uh, in about three weeks. So sound good? Jesus first. Um, it brings us to this, to this thing of, of upper room. I want to cast just a little vision of who we are, what we're going after this year as a body, as a church, as a ministry in the community, as well as to invite you in on part of what this is. Um, over the last couple years, we've adopted some language about an arrow. And uh, the next three weeks, we're going to really go after Arrow 2.0. It's the vision of this house. It's the vision of our ministry to not focus on programs not get tied up in the bells and whistles. Now, we're not against them. I'd love to have some great media. I'd love to have some cool videos and better lighting. I'd love that stuff. It's just not what we're investing in at the moment. But what we're investing in is presence, number one, people, number two. That's what we're consumed by. We want to be consumed by his all-consuming fire. We want to be consumed by his presence. We want to put God number one. We want to plant him in the center of everything, in the center of our home, the center of my life, the center of my heart, the center of our ministry, and let everything be built from that. How many believe that Jesus, his presence, God is the firmest foundation that we can build uh, that church on, build it on that rock, Jesus? So that's our first thing. The second thing is people. Now, where we go after this is the Bible has a verse that says, the, the church's role, the church's responsibility is to equip the believers for the work of the ministry. Let, let me tell you what that really means. The church's role, a church, a local body's role is to equip the believers for the work of their ministry. Now, you're wondering, well, man, we got these, these targets and stuff. I, I prefaced it a little last week, and if you've not been rolling with us for longer than a year or so, you're like, what is all this? It's arrow 2.0. So the point in our language for the arrow is our job and what we've kind of illustrated is equipping the believers for the work of their ministry is sharpening your arrow, sharpening the point of your arrow to hit the target that you were called to hit by God, that, 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 that we sharpen you, that we, we equip you, we provide you with the resources, we, we invoke a hunger for the word, for Jesus, for his presence for a move of his spirit, his power, his love. And all of a sudden, when you are refined and you're, you're, you're sharpened and you're polished, you hit the target, pinpoint exactly where, how, and, and, and when you're supposed to hit it. Now, here's the thing. A lot of churches, they will, they will create a target for the church, and we ask everybody to gather around that vision, everybody to hit that target. That's not a wrong method. It's just not our method. We're not going to say, okay, our church will be known for feeding the hungry in Dayton. All right? No, but there's somebody here that has a hunger, that has a desire, that has a compassion, a passion to do that. Now we gather around your vision while you're gathering on our vision, and the kingdom is advanced by every single person here hitting the target they were called to hit. Last week, Kristen shared um, her, her testimony about the creative dream God gave her about these pop-up bars, these sober pop-up bars. So on these hard holidays and these hard times of years, she rents a space, she advertises the heck out of it, gets on the news, and then all of a sudden there's a sober bar that pops up on nights that are hard for alcoholics and people that struggle with hurts, habits, and hangups. So she gets, shares her testimony last week. Morgan, who's here, who happens to serve part-time at uh, times as a bartender, ends up saying, hey, I know all about drinks, and if you're wanting mocktails, do you have anybody yet? So I'll make alcohol-free mocktails and come serve with you. 
So that's what happened. So in, in, in giving a testimony of her target, of what God called her to do, that somebody else gathered around that, and then they together went and had a very successful night on New Year's Eve, serving out non-alcoholic drinks in a clean atmosphere, glorifying Jesus. It was amazing. Now, there are nurses in here. There are teachers in here. There are business owners in here, attorneys in here, realtors in here. There's all these people in here. And, and I'm just telling you that all of you have the heart to say, if Upper Room said, we're going to do this, and we do it on occasion. We do serve regionally and locally. We do have the revolutionary love, or, or what do we call them now? The love blitz? Is that what it's called? Love explosions now. And we come in on a Saturday and we go blitz the community with God's love and that's fun. And all of you are, are, are part of that and you do it with a smile and you do it with great hearts and generosity. We all collected uh, and gave 100 pairs of shoes in our church in Mexico to kids who've never had new shoes before. Like we do that and we do it with, with pleasure and generosity and, and gratefulness. We, we do that. But there are things then that you're called to do. There's things you could do and there's things you should do. And I believe that your target are the things that you're called to do. Now, the church's target, when we gather around somebody else's and Morgan helping Kristen out, that's something she could do, all right? Feeding the hungry is something we should do, but then there's things that we're called to do. And that's why the targets that you, you walked in this morning, Olivia, you in here, girl, you ready? If you uh, came in a little late or they missed you, could you just hold your hand up as a family if you don't have a big target, and then we'll hand out cards as well. Maybe somebody could help her. Kara, you want to give her a hand? That'd be amazing. So hold your hand up if you don't have the postcard and or the target. So it's one target per household and a postcard per person. And Kara, you can just give a hand. That's awesome. Whoever's got their hands up. And there's a bunch more over here to help out. So, and we'll go over that here in a little bit, but these targets represent something. See, a dream, it's amazing that I'm going to talk about the difference between a dream and a legacy. Okay, so a legacy is something beyond your lifetime. See, a dream is something that might be temporary. Dreams just sometimes come true, but a legacy is always requires some investment. The big target, and, and I'll review this again in a moment, but the big target is going to be the mission, the legacy of your family. This is your household mission. What is the mission of you, your kids, your grandkids? And maybe your kids are grown up. Invite them back in to, to redefine or focus on what is your mission. I know Bruce Tolls here, and, and he has a, they have a family mission statement. Their family mission statement. It doesn't involve owning more businesses. It doesn't involve building up wealth. It involves impacting the kingdom of God, impacting the earth while we're here. That's legacy. Legacy goes beyond just this year. The, the vision for Upper Room in 2020 is, is a 20-year legacy, pushing in for 20 years for this year, for 2020, but a 20-year vision of legacy. That's what I believe. We entered a new year. We entered a new decade. And I want to think not in the terms of a year, a day, a month. I want to think in terms of decades. This, is, this gets me excited. I love casting vision. I love talking about some of this. And, and I just want to just say, like, over the next three weeks, this is going to be uh, pretty interesting because today we're going to focus on the target. Today we're going to focus on dream and legacy. Next week we're going to focus on the arrow, and, and I've got props and fun stuff. Next week we're going to focus on the arrow, the three parts of the arrow. I love it when God speaks in threes, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Today, yesterday, and forever. You know, yesterday, today, and, and, and beyond. So the other thing is he is the God of three generations, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
I believe there's something happening. There's a convergence here at Upper Room that 80 to 85% of our congregation are millennials or younger. That's exciting. That leaves 20% of you to be moms and dads to 80% of our church. And that's 80% of you that get to be poured into by moms and dads. My friend Jake Hamilton, he said when he wanted to learn how to pray, when he first became a Christian, he found the oldest women in the church and went to their prayer meeting and learned how to pray. Amen. And now he's a, an international worship leader who knows how to pray and intercede and lead prophetic worship and lead a generation. Now, these are the things that we get to do for three generations. In the third week, I'm going to bring in, I've got different types of bows. All right, And that's going to be talking about God launching us and how it's a little different, but we still get to be launched and go. But today I'm going to just focus and settle in here on this target. And I want to start at Ephesians 3, 20, 21. Ephesians 3, and I want to read the Passion Translation. I, I referenced this last week, but Steve Bowen on Monday or Tuesday sent me the Passion Translation. And I, I love reading this translation. It's very poetic. It's very good. Brian Simmons, not a relation to us, but he's a super great theologian. And it, it's just amazing. He goes to my friend's church quite a bit. And here's, here's, what he, here's how he um, gave this translation. It says, never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all, for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. Isn't that amazing? Beyond your wildest imagination, his miraculous power constantly energizes you. For 21, it says, Now we offer up to God all the glorious praise that rises from every church and every generation through Jesus Christ. I love thinking in terms of 100 years. I love thinking in terms of, of generations and, and generations to come. And what we're plowing, what we're paving, what we're pushing through now eventually is going to lead to another generation coming behind, not having his heart, and then eventually being able to go their own way. It's that principle of our ceiling becomes their floor. And the higher we raise our ceiling, the higher we, we blow the ceiling off, the higher they start at their floor to the next level, to what they're called to do. Listen, this generation is facing some of the greatest challenges any generation has ever faced, which means in Christ they have the greatest opportunity of other generations ever had. I think they're some of the most jacked up kids because they've got to reach people who are the most jacked up ever. It's amazing. That's not a problem. It's a promise. Now, the world's eyes and culture's eyes are looking at this with fear. I'm looking at it as possibility. This is the, 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 what we get to steward. And, and me being just, I'm just slightly, like, like, I miss the millennial thing by like three months. Like, it's like, I'm like right there. So sometimes I just, I just step on this side of the fence like I'm a millennial. And then other times I'm like, no, no I'm not a millennial. Here's the deal, like their creativity, they're different. There's something real. There's authenticity there. There's this hunger for genuine relationship in, this, in these generations to come. And they're looking, guys. The earth is moaning and groaning for the sons of God to manifest. That's what it says. The word says the earth is moaning and groaning for the sons of God to manifest. The next generations are moaning and groaning and crying out and confused, sexually confused, morally confused. They're confused. They're moaning and groaning. They're crying out for moms and dads to actually learn to be sons and daughters of Christ to parent a generation. I'm excited to bridge this over the next couple of weeks and, and give everybody in here purpose. 
I believe this. If you're still here on this earth, I don't care. Lola was here for a service. She's in her 80s, one of the original members of Upper Room, and, and she's here. She's got purpose. She's still here on this earth. You have purpose. You have destiny. You were, you were, you were born for such a time as this. You were fearfully and wonderfully made for this generation to pour out, to give, and to hit the target that God's calling you to. Did I even make it to verse 21? I don't think I did. Let's go there. Now we offer up to God all the glory. Yeah, yeah, the generations in Jesus Christ. Then it says, and all that will yet be manifest through time and eternity. The earth is waiting, and we get to be a part of this time right now. This history, this moment, this decade, this 20 years to pour out, to set up a generation for success. Let me go to Isaiah 49 too. This is the verse for today. It says this in ESV. It says, he made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he held me. How many know that God's got your back? Like he's got you covered. He's got you protected. He's got your way already made. Like he's in it. He's got your back. He, listen, if he had a refrigerator in heaven, your magnet of a picture of you be on it. Your little artwork that you make, it would be on it. Like, he's in love with you. Zephaniah 3.17 says, he rejoices and delights over you. You are his favorite child. It's amazing. All right? He's got your back. He's already went ahead of you. The greatest intercessor on this planet has already went before you to the Father. Then it goes on to say this. He made me a polished arrow. Meaning, he has sharpened my arrow. He polished it. It's ready. And then it says this. In his quiver, he hid me away. Now, I want to talk about the tension in this time. I've got this bow down here, all right? Heath gave this to me. It's a very special gift he gave me, and I've cherished it for, for a few, several years now. Heath, are you in here? Where you at, buddy? Remember this? So, was it your grandpa's? Yep. So, I thought it came with a string, and I opened up the bag today trying to get all this ready. It didn't have a string. But anyway, this is a recurve bow, it's a traditional bow. It's, it's just a string, and it bends back over here. You rest the arrow here, and you pull back. Now, many of us have a year that maybe Nicole was referencing, that it was a hard year. It was a year of, of transition. It was a year of hardship, a year of death maybe. Maybe there was relational things, financial things, investments that didn't turn out. Maybe it was a harder year. You worked harder than what you expected to. Maybe things didn't come true that you put on your dream cards last year. Well, here, here's, here's what I think is happening. I believe that we've been held in this quiver, and I believe that there's purpose in that. And at times where there's greatest tension, my friend Bob Hazlitt said, where the greatest tension is is usually where the greatest momentum is about to be released. So here, the easy part is holding the bow. The easy part is putting the arrow on it. The easy thing is releasing it. The hardest thing is holding that intention. Now, here's the thing. Many of us, we've been held in tension. We've been, we've been pulled back. Maybe we've been held in that quiver. Maybe it feels like you've been held back. But listen, the reason you're being held back isn't the things that, that's around you stopping you to hit your target. Maybe it's the things within you. Maybe there's a refining. Maybe there's a polishing. Maybe there's a reason you're still in that quiver waiting to be released. Maybe his delayed yes is a, is, maybe his delayed yes is a no building interest for a better yes. Maybe, maybe it's, it's the double portion of Elijah and, and Elijah is that double portion is just around the corner. Every time they went to a new city, Elijah was offered a, a position of ministry or leadership in that city, and he turned it down because he was being held out for the double portion. Sometimes God's no's or yes is building interest. It's that tension that's hard. Now, now let me tell you the story about David. Now, now David was, was selected to be king at a, at a dinner table when he was out being a shepherd boy. He was a young boy. 
less than 13 years old, probably less than 10 years old. He's at, called in and they're like, wait, there's a brother missing. And he's like, you're going to be the next king. Now we go through and we, we see the season. He goes to Bethlehem, learning to steward the natural, play the harp, throw the slingshot, right? Then there's a doulum, a time of need. And all these guys come to him in a time of need. It's cave season. Then we go to Hebron from there. And now is a time of covenant. It went from convenient and difficulty and circumstance to covenant relationship. They became his mighty men so that he could rule and reign. And steady is the head that wears the crown in Zion. It was these seasons, though, where he was being held back in tension. It was these seasons that sometimes we think we're moving backwards, but you always got to move backwards to move forwards. In order to get to the mountain, sometimes you go to the valley, but the valleys where the nutrients and the streams and the vegetation grows. Listen, it's in that tension that's hard. It was that time of training for the reigning where David learned how to slay the bear and the lion so that he was ready to slay the giant. And it was slaying the giant, and it was honoring Saul, and it was learning to worship and care for his dad and worship Jesus, even in trials, even in circumstances, even in his own mistakes that prepared him to have the fortitude, the foundation, the character to wear the crown. We all want to hit our targets, and we're all called to hit targets. And sometimes we, we don't want to be pulled back and in that tension and held before we're launched. I believe this, though. I believe we're moving into a season of, of where the... Let me see how you work this. That'll work. I believe that we're moving into a season of being pulled out of a quiver, and it's been a season of foundation, especially upper room. Sometimes if we grow too quick, the foundation's weak or it cracks later. Sometimes we're not ready, and we're not proficient enough with that slingshot. Sometimes we're not proficient enough to hit it, hit him in the eyes later. It's those training moments. It's that tension before the launching. Now, let me read you this verse. Zechariah 9.14 says this. Then the Lord will appear over them, and his arrow will go forth like what? Lightning. There's something that strikes. He struck the ground three times. There's something. And it says, and his arrow will go forth like lightning. The Lord God will sound the trumpet and will march forth in the whirlwinds of the south. This is a story where, where now it's time to go. You've been held in a quiver. You've been held in tension. And that's been hard. But I'll be honest with you. It's, it's that time of sharpening. It's that time of the polishing where we're perfected and we're ready then to hit our target. And when we get there, we're going to have favor, influence, and success. Amen. Let me just tell you this. Favor and influence is a gift. And it's something that needs to be stewarded, and it's something that needs invested in, and it's something that gets cultivated. And let me just remind you that when you have favor, you also have resistance. When favor and influence are given, there's also great responsibility. And there's some stewardship, there's some parenting, there's some, there's some discipleship there, there's, some, there's some, still some sharpening, right? Let me, let me move on here. There's a difference between a dream and legacy. And I, I want to touch on this, and I want to touch, touch on us hitting our targets. Dream is, is, is simple to me. It reminds me of vision, whereas legacy is mission. So on the big targets, that's going to be your mission as a family, as a unit. That's your mission. That's your legacy. What, what do you want to go after a lifetime? Whereas a dream is, is this year. Now, dreams may get you to the mission. Dreams may get you to legacy. But sometimes dreams just come true. Like sometimes I, well, I necessarily don't, but... If I did, don't judge me. If you play the lottery and you win the lottery, bam, dream come true. No investment there. Well, like a buck or two. I don't know. 
right? Sometimes it just happens. But legacy, I've got to invest in that. I've got to push into that. I've got to steward that. I've got to, to sacrifice for that. There's something different about legacy than there is just dreaming. On your cards, you have two sections. It says 20 dreams for 2020. And then on the right side, it says 20 dreams for legacy, like pushing in. And, and, and what this is, there is a difference between dream and legacy. Listen, dream is for the future. Dream, legacy is to be left for the future. Let, let, me, let me reword that. A dream is for the future. Legacy is to be left for the future. Dream is for the now. I get to experience some of these dreams now. Legacy, I get to leave it with somebody else, and it still goes on and on and on and on. A dream sometimes just comes true, whereas a legacy always has to be fought for. Steve Bowen, one of our pastors here, extraordinaire, he and his wife, they planted a church some 30-some years ago. Two churches in Europe, I believe Scotland and England, correct? But both Scotland, both are still going. They come back to a different assignment in the U.S., and those churches are still have momentum and still going. That's legacy. Something moving on after we either get our upgrade to heaven, Jesus returns, or we move on to the next assignment. Yeah. Let me just tell you a cool story. And if you have young children, now's the time to maybe consider if they're in the right place right now. My, my daughter, we do these vision boards, and sometimes even in our hard year, there's still fruit. Let, let, me, let me kind of expand this story a little bit. Every year, New Year's Eve, we do vision boards, and we get magazines and newspapers, we throw them on the table, and we cut out pictures and words and make phrases, and we do these vision boards to what we can push into for the year. And we do it every year, and, and we take last year's board, we get those out, and we, we peel off things, and we're like, hey, this one didn't happen, I'm going to put this on this year's board, I still am going after this. And some of them that didn't happen that I just got mad about, I just burn the boards. I leave them on there, I burn the boards. It's like, burn the ships, move on, right? And that's, that's what I did. So I, I, I went out, and Nicole, she was, she was really, like, having a rough, rough time, like, rough time moving into this year because of some of the failures or, or letdowns or hardships of last year. And, and we're in the hot tub yesterday morning. The kids were sleeping in. She's like, you want to get in the hot tub with me? I was like, sure. <laughs> I was prepping the message, and I was just downstairs drinking coffee. I was like, yeah, she had come back from running. Yeah, okay. So we start talking, and she's crying about the year, and... I was like, listen, we need to celebrate because I took a video of the day, uh, New Year's Day. I went out and burned these boards, and I showed Nicole this video. Even when, when we feel let down, even when our success wasn't where we think it should be, the Lord was still sovereign and gracious enough to still bless our kids. We look at their boards, and as these things are burning, their boards are like everything had come true. Olivia had put like a big buck on there. She shot a big buck with a bow. Like, it was cool. Chloe had put some things about the nations and serving and art, and, and these things, it was just like I began to watch this go up in flames, and Nicole's board is just like, they're like paper boards with like foam in the middle, so they go quick. Like, it's like, Phew. It's like oh, that's awesome. Anyway. <laughs> I love fires. I also love putting out fires, okay? I love starting them in the kingdom, putting them out into the fire department, okay? So these foam boards are just torching, and all of a sudden, it moves from the top down on her board, and I have it on video. The very thing that didn't burn was the far left corner that said family. Even in our hardship, the Lord is so gracious, and he's so, so amazing and in love with us that the legacy still continues, and the family and the things that really matter were still left untouched. I wanna, I'll, now I want to push into a story about legacy. One of the things Chloe put on her board was Costa Rica and then a picture of a world. She wanted to travel the nations. 
So we were able to take her on a 12-year mission trip with me, and we went to Costa Rica, some friends down there, and we began to serve. She also got to go to St. Lucia with us as a family and serve and, and invest in our church there, and it was just a lot of fun. And then she also got to go on a class trip and serve in West Virginia to a poverty area and bring Christ in the service of his heart to them. Now, in this, one of the things we did, we said, you know what? What do you want to do, Chloe? We're planning the 12-year missions trip with me. It's kind of a dad-daughter thing. And when they turn 12, I take them where they want to go that we have covenant with and where we can serve and just teach them serving. And so, so we go, and she's like, I, I think it'd be cool to bring art there. Okay, let's, let's bring art. So, and we bring them supplies and art materials and craft supplies, and, and we bring them, I'm, we are carrying seven bags, seven pieces of luggage, plus two carry-ons. The two carry-ons are our personal luggage, seven bags are art and their supplies and groceries that they couldn't get there. So we're like, now, we had to stay the night in Houston and travel out. Now, I get to the airport, I bust my finger, blood's everywhere, they've lost our tickets, and I'm going to an area that has high human trafficking with a 12-year-old girl. And they can't find her name in the system. I'm like, I'm texting Nicole, get a hold of the intercessors. Pray now. <laughs> We're stuck in Houston. So before you know it, we got there, and I'm lugging all this luggage. Well, before we get to the church, we get to these houses, and she had these kits and all these art supplies to also bring homes that we would bring groceries to in the jungles and places where they just needed food. So we get to this one house, and this one house had nothing. It was essentially one room and then a little bedroom off of that and a makeshift little kitchen with the sink outside the window where it would just drain down, and it was like a hose hooked up to it. We wait there an hour because we can't get a hold of the family, but they were meeting us there for their groceries, and, and they get there, and they've got two fish. And this mom, this single mom with four kids, one with Down syndrome, four or five kids, one with Down syndrome, the oldest is Chloe's age. They walk in. They're disconsheveled. They've got bathing suits on, and the kids are naked and all these things, and they throw the fish up on their counter in their house. And they're translating back and forth, and they're like, that's their food for the next month. And we show up with rice, beans, and some other fixins and made it really amazing. Now, here's the part that just touched my heart. Sorry. There's just some things that mark you for a lifetime. There's this girl there that is Chloe's age and uh, just looks sad. And... Adam begins to translate to us that uh, she's been a difficult season. The mom's boyfriend just left, but this girl has been raped over and over by previous men and dads in her life. So we're like, okay. So Chloe begins to lay out all the art, and she begins to teach them art, and all of a sudden this girl's painting this beautiful, bright flower blooming. And she begins to smile and giggle with Chloe. And the Lord told Chloe to bring one of those instant cameras with the Polaroid film. And she takes pictures with her and this girl, this girl smiling. And they begin to tell us that that's the first time they've seen that girl smile in years. Now, here's the point of the story in Legacy. Is that art transformed a heart and brought the joy of Jesus into that home. And it changed the atmosphere, not only in the room, the house, the family, but also that girl's heart. So now there's pictures that Chloe gave her of her doing art, feeling the love and compassion of Jesus. But now we left enough supplies for them to do art as a family for a year, at least. 
we go to church the next week and, and the next, the following Sunday, and Chloe brings, we got these luggage and bags, and she lays out all this art and canvas. We brought rolls of canvas, oodles and oodles of acrylics and brushes, and she does art with an entire Sunday school class. She does art while worship's going on. Later on, they tell us that that's the first time art has ever been in their church, ever exercised for worship, and now we left enough for them to have art as a ministry for years to come. We do the same thing in St. Lucia because of the success in that. So let me just share this. Dream is her doing art with a family. Dream is, is her, her being passionate about art. That's a dream. Dreams comes, it's a dream that she gets to do art up here during worship. It's legacy when she left art and started something that had never been done before and left it where it continues to go as she comes back here home. Legacy is transforming a girl's heart who was hurt and who had trauma in her life and bringing healing to that through Jesus. We begin to pray for that girl. And that girl and that family showed up to church for the first time ever on that Sunday. That's legacy. There's a difference between dream and legacy. Now, now, legacy begins to leave things, and it goes from generation to generation. I love thinking of like things like the Notre Dame uh, Cathedral that burnt down. That took over 200 years to build to completion. It took hundreds of man, men, hundreds of men that would never see it to its full completion. People died building that. One of the things that David do, did do in his life, he, he had this dream to build the tabernacle. Got to make sure I'm not going over time. I'm almost there. He had this dream to build the tabernacle. And all of a sudden, God shows up through a prophet and begins to speak to David to say, nope, you're not going to be the one. Solomon, your son's the one. And what David did for the rest of his life impressed me. As you can tell, David's one of my favorites in the Bible. His honor, his heart of worship, his servitude, his brilliance. But this one thing particular I love. He worked the rest of his life for a dream that was going to be fulfilled through the next generation, not himself, that was his own desire. And he gave himself and built up wealth, craftsmen, goldsmiths, carpenters, and he even just, just to hand it all over, something he would never see. Are we willing to do that? Are we willing to build a bridge and pour ourselves out for 100 years that it might be completed, or 200 years that the next generation will benefit from, but we'll never see it done? This is what we're doing. This is legacy. We're building something. In 20 years, I don't want to be the one standing here giving the message unless it's just like, hey, you want to speak once this year? Yeah, I'd love to. Like, I want to pass these microphones and these platforms. I want to build them up. I want to build up authors and writers and teachers and doctors, and I want to launch them to hit their targets that the legacy of their generation will change. Their inheritance will change by what we're investing in now. That excites me. That excites me as, as my target for the next 20 years is a generation that I may not meet, that I may not see, that I may never have a conversation with, but somebody does because of the investment and what we poured out this year happens. Let me, let me, let me finish this up. Oh, wow. I got a lot left. Let me expedite this process a little bit and free up your future this afternoon. Some of you sit here, and I know Tiana spoke a message a couple, a uh, few months ago, and talking about the frustrations of sitting here and hearing me dream about, you know, nations and hearing me dream about generations. And, and some people have a hard time of dreaming of, like, what's for supper next week? Like, what's the meal plan? Like, I can't even think that far ahead. Or, or literally, there might be people in here like, like, are we going to have grocery money to eat next week or next month? 
Like, I, I get it. But I want to let you know that we have the right as children of God with faith exercised to, to ask for the impossible, to ask for the overwhelming things from God. Like, we get to dream the impossible because he is the God of the impossible. Yeah. Like, the first message I ever heard from Bill Johnson was him talking about the ski trip. And he went on this ski trip or heard of it, and it was a guy bragging that he never fell while snow skiing. And he said, well, you're not pushing hard enough because if you're not pushing yourself enough to never fail, then you're not pushing yourself hard enough. Let, let me rephrase this. Sometimes if, if all we're praying for are stubbed toes and they're all getting healed, maybe we should pray for somebody in a wheelchair. And whether they get up and walk or not, God's good and we celebrate the goodness and glorify Jesus in the process. That's faith exercise. So in our dreaming, then, also, we get to ask for the impossible. We get to ask for the radical things. And we get to delight ourselves in the Lord, and he'll honor the desires of our heart. Listen, I want to give you permission in here today to dream the impossible as long as God's first. This is not a wealth and prosperity message. I want to be really clear on that. If you saw the little personal car I drive, you would understand I'm not a wealth and prosperity guy. I love life, but I don't need a fancy car. But I do like a dream Porsche one day. Maybe not today, but one day. It's a Boxster S, convertible, black, red caliber brakes. It's on my dream list, okay? Here's the deal. We have permission to dream with God as long as he's first. The Bible says it's better to give than receive, but it doesn't say you can never receive. It's just better to give than receive. And what you receive, how do you glorify God in the process? How do you put God first? So listen, as Psalm says, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll honor the desires of your heart. As we're delighting ourselves in the Lord and living in his presence and being intimate with the Lord, he cannot refuse to honor the desires of our heart because it's in his delight as we delight ourselves in him because we're going to glorify him in the process. Let me just remind you that how we receive is also a reflection of our self-value and worth. And the Bible says to love your neighbor as what? Yourself. So it's okay to receive. It's okay to receive abundance. But what do we do when we have too much? We give it away. The difference between a son and a father is a father gives it all away. Listen, it's, it's not a big deal to receive as long as God's first and as long as what you're doing with it. When I have excess and somebody has need and I don't give, I'm in sin in my personal convictions. If I'm in need and somebody else is in excess and they don't give knowing my need, then they're in sin. That's my personal conviction. So it's okay to receive, but what do we do with the excess? What do we do with the favor? What do we do with this influence? What do we do with these dreams coming true, these miracles or these, these incredible things that are happening? We glorify Jesus. Let me, let me, somebody can just come and play lightly or whatever is easy. I'm not going to ask you to sing, Adam. Promise, bro. So the practical, how do we move past that? How do we move past, like, what about the now? Let me tell you about a story of Ruth. Ruth was this woman whose husband died, and Naomi, her mother-in-law, she had two, two daughter-in-laws. They gave her permission. Do you want to stay or go? Would you like to return to your family as the brothers were killed? Ruth, long story short, this is a cool story. You should look it up. So many good nuggets in this story. Ruth decides to be obedient and honor her mother-in-law and stay with her and be loyal. And in that, they were hungry and, and they were going to this feed to eat the scraps of just what was falling by the harvesters. 
So if you can picture a bean or a cornfield, the things that are left over, you often see deer out there feeding on those. And that was Ruth and Naomi, and Ruth was gathering these things. Before you know it, Boaz catches on to this and realizes that there's, there's hungry women, there's this lady going out. So he, says, he tells his harvesters and tells his workers, leave extra. Now out of obedience and out of honor for her mother, Ruth inherits a husband and wealth. He was very wealthy. Now, that's God doing exceedingly abundantly more than you can ask, think, or imagine. They were worried about where the next meal was coming from when God was already working ahead of them. And in their obedience and honor and loyalty, all of a sudden, he radically blesses them. The same thing, if anybody could give up on dreams, it's Joseph. <laughs> Joseph, like, Joseph was sold he was put in a pit by his own brothers, sold to slavery by them, and then was forgotten about. He had a dream. They pulled him to the palace. He gets falsely, wrongly accused of, of being with the king's wife, and then gets thrown in prison, gets forgot about again. And before you know it, that was the tension being held back. But in jail, he wasn't giving up faith. He wasn't giving up the dream. He was held in tension. He was being refined. He was, he was being polished or sharpened. So that when all of a sudden he comes to Pharaoh and he's ruling and reigning the kingdom and later on gets to bless and give his entire family inheritance and food. Now, the third one is, is kind of a fun one, Sarah. Now, Sarah's at an elderly age, maybe comparable today to like an 81-year-old female telling she's going to have a baby who had longed for a baby. Now, she's beyond years of childbirthing. She's beyond years of being able to do this, but God. It was so radical, so beyond her wildest dreams, she began to laugh at God when, she was, when she, he was communicating to her that she was going to have a baby. She even tried at times to take matters into her own hands and, and have a, a son not from her, all these things, right? So all of a sudden, here comes Isaac, the son of promise. I met with Eli Worley this week, and... He's a firefighter in Springfield. Just Eli and Nancy are just tremendous, amazing young people. And I, I, we were talking about going into a new decade. And he's like, man, I was in high school, right? Isn't that what you told me? I was in high school. He's like, I would have never thought in 10 years I'd have a career, a dream career, a wife, a dream marriage, and they're pursuing and, and renovating their dream house. Just in 10 years, as you look back, what the Lord has done beyond, he said, that was definitely beyond my wildest dreams. He's like, it's exactly what I asked for, but beyond. It would have been what I would have asked for in high school, but beyond, I think is kind of some language he was using. It's like, if you look back, like, what's 10 years look like? And some of you, maybe it was great, like, with the growth you've had. Some of you, it's like, Ugh, I don't want to relive those 10 years. It doesn't matter. Like, if I go back 10 years, I've had extreme growth. If I go 10 years beyond that, yeah, that's when I had a number in the court system. That's when uh, things were rough. It was bad. But what's the next 20 going to look like? And we have these targets. We have this ability to be launched and pulled out of this quiver. And, and it just hit our target. But it's on us right now. Like, we get to co-labor. We get, to, co we get to, to do the great commission with God, the commission of God, the co-mission with God. We get to co-mission, co-labor with God and see his destiny fulfill the earth and his dream. And it says the Lord has this desire. It says this in the word. He desires for the whole earth to come to know him. And I believe by us hitting our targets and us being launched and us being pulled out of that quiver, even in our tension, when we're launched, we're ready. Stand up with me.
How many are ready to be launched? On, the, on your cards, just, just so I explain this very vividly, I can't remember what all I've said today. Um, but on the left side, on the back of your card, it's, it says 20 dreams in 2020. Now, what I like to do is I like to take one 10 and 10 of 10 spiritual, 10 natural. And I like to just, it's okay to dream natural, guys. Delight yourself in the Lord, spiritual, and he'll honor the desires of your heart, natural. That's the meaning of that verse. It's spiritual, the natural. So I like to, I like to have 10 of each. A spiritual dream might be uh, to, to your kids to come to know Jesus or serve the Lord. You know, um, it could also be marriage, holy matrimony. That could be spiritual or natural. One of the natural things that I have is it could be a dream car, maybe a, a trip on your anniversary this year. For me, one of them is to walk all four of my daughters down the aisle. Now, that's not my year one. I have, I have a long-term one. That's a legacy one. But to walk them all down the aisle. Now, two years ago, I had holy conviction that I was almost 300 pounds. And, and at that rate, I was not naturally going to be able to walk them down the aisle. So I, too, had to press into this legacy. So it's, his promises are yes and amen. It's my yes, my process. It's my yes, my process, his amen, his promise. And they come together. Now, all of a sudden, there's an investment in legacy. So that's that side. The, the right side is the same principle, but 20 years. We think differently when we think in the context of 20 years. It changes everything. I can, I can real quick do a list of 20. I can. Some of you may have difficult. Don't, be, don't feel less than if you have trouble dreaming for 20 dreams. Sometimes you get wrapped up on like six or seven. You're like... What else is there? It's okay, push in, do something frivolous, do something what you think is small. There is no dream too small, no dream too great that God can't accomplish. So, so push into that. Now legacy, when we think 20 years, my kids will likely be married. I'll have grandkids in 20 years. Like that's a whole game changer for me. Some of you, that's a game changer. My dad last week, when we asked him, what do you wanna see in 21 years? He said, I wanna be alive. <laughs> I wanna be alive. I wanna see the next 21 years, amen. So it changes now. The big target, again, that's your legacy. That's your family mission. What's your family mission? Draw that up together. Maybe don't do this overnight. Don't go home and be like, mission, boom, boom, done. Maybe if the Lord gives it to you, fine, be obedient to that. But this might be this 21-day fast to figure out what is your mission? What is your legacy? What is the dash going to represent in your life? That dash is that birth year. It, it's nestled between, it's that transition nestled between when you started from eternity and you end eternity. From your birth year to your death year on your tombstone, there's a dash. What's that going to represent for each of us? In this 20 years, we get to push into it. I'd love to pray for you. Are you good? Excited to hit some targets? Let's go kill some things. I mean, hit some targets. Let's kill the devil. One of the greatest things I love about Jesus' assignment on earth is he got to cancel the works of the devil. That's what he said he came to the earth to do, cancel the works of the devil. When I hit my target, it's canceling the works of the devil. So I get to kill the devil while launching some arrows. How many love shooting and like cool, fun stuff like that? Yeah, it's okay. It's all right. All right, there's not too many vegetarians here. It's okay. There's a few, though. I honor you guys. I value. I love you praying for you. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, I'd love to pray for you. Dreams and visions, legacy, okay? Lord, I just thank you right now. I thank you that we get to dream with you, that we get to co-mission with your greatest mission on earth, to share your gospel, to lead people to your goodness, to baptize people in your name. 
Lord, to cast out devils, to, to heal the sick, to let the oppressed go free, Jesus. We thank you that we get to co-mission with you in our dreams, that we delight ourselves in you. We delight ourselves in you and you honor the desires of our heart. Just like John says that we can ask anything in your name. If you're glorified, you'll do it. So Lord, in our ask, we glorify you. In our receiving, we will glorify you. And we just say yes and amen. Let us dream with you. Let us dream big dreams, God. Let us, let us see great vision. Let us see clarity this year for the direction you're calling us. Open the right doors, close the wrong ones. Be a light and a lamp into our feet and our path, Jesus. And we pray that we invest the next 20 years precisely the way you've called us to. You have called us for such a time as this. You've called us to invest in this generation and the ones to come. And we pray that through our life here on earth, our seed here on earth, that there'll be an impact for generations to come through the legacy that we leave here. Through you, Jesus. We thank you. You are the greatest legacy we can live, leave to our kids, grandkids, and anybody around us. We thank you for that, that you are the greatest legacy. We bless you, Jesus.